Brony Brothers, Brony Brothers. It's summer. The bugs are out. They're bugging me. What do you reckon came first? The word bug or the name for bugs? Like as in, did we start saying, dude, you are bugging me before we named those things that were flying around? Did we name them that because they were flying around and we were like, dude, this little thing that's flying is bugging me and so is that other one that looks the same, yet slightly different. It's also bugging me. We should call these little bitches bugs. Or did we just say you're bugging me because you are being like a bug, which was already named prior to the moment where someone first bugged another person? I don't know. These are questions I pose to myself usually, but now I have a medium in which I can ask it to the world. You know, you can tweet me. Let me know. Bronny, at Bronny Bronny. Let me know. Uh, today I'm bothering um, Daniel Papik or Papak. I don't know. He doesn't seem to care how you pronounce it. I'm gonna think, I think I'm going to stick with Papak. We get onto that for a little bit. It's a great episode. Um, Daniel Papak is from Waverley, one of the best rock bands to come out of Melbourne in the last couple of years, I think. Um, and uh, they're about to, they've just released their debut single. They're about to release their debut album. And just between you and me, it's a freaking great album. And uh, you guys should look super forward to it. Here's some cool news. I've been shortlisted for uh, Song of the Year in the Australian Songwriters Association Songwriters Contest thing in the categories of ballad and folk. So hopefully I can get to the next round. I'm pretty excited about that. It's, you know, it's a bit of an honour. You know, lots of thousands and thousands of Australian musicians enter this thing. And uh, I've been shortlisted, so I'm pretty excited. That's pretty good, right? I'll keep you up to date as to where I get with that, unless I just fail dismally and I might not say anything about it ever again. If I don't, you know what happened. Um, so, you know, sit back again, relax, or just keep driving your car. Make sure you stay on the road or... You know, pretend you're doing work whilst you listen to this at work. Whatever you're doing, allow me to sit in your ear, bother you, bother Daniel Papak. Here we go. We chose a broken path. You know what's Barefoot on shattered glass. You know this never felt the way it should. I don't know. I I don't understand that whole world of like hacking anything or creating viruses and stuff. It's just like, like unless you're creating a virus that gets bank details or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just like, what are you doing money. this for? Yeah, you know, like, it seems like you get, catch a virus and you're like, I'm more angry at the person who made this virus. <laughs> yeah, like, why? Exactly. <laughs> like, why just spend your time on that? Yeah, but I mean, you could probably use the same argument. I mean, up to a point in music, like there'd be so many people that wouldn't get you'd see guys, you know, like you or me, and they'd go, why are you even doing it, man? No one's yeah. listening yeah. or, you know, yeah. or there's a hundred people that are going to buy it or, you know, even if there's a thousand people, yeah. it's, you know, you're never going to live off it, man. You're not. Yeah. And I guess for those guys, it's all the, the kudos, the internet kudos yeah. that they get yeah. from people who have downloaded it, like you and I, that say, hey, thanks, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
And um, if anything, I, I'd say that it's made me love Adobe products and I'll probably use them forever. Yeah. So I will. I swear yeah. I'll pay them one day. <laughs> I really will. So that, that hacker somewhere has given you loyalty towards Adobe. Yeah, exactly. I kind of think of myself as the guy that downloaded my album illegally yep. or, or for free, or in your case, you give them away, which is way more awesome yeah, look, than we I'm are. Yeah, pretty generous. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I kind of feel like the guy that, that, that hacked that for free and then bought the rest of their back catalogue and went to see yeah, them live yeah, for $100, absolutely. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's how I feel with Adobe. And that's the whole point behind, just to go off on a tangent for a second, that's the whole point behind my model, if you will, is that, like, it, the, the the idea is that the music is an ad advertisement for, you know, exactly. something I can give them later in terms of a show or a T-shirt or, you know. Sucker them in now and make yeah. them pay big bucks later. Yeah, and I... <laughs> And I think my own analogy was the best way I could put it was, you know, no one goes and buys a suit without trying it on. So why are they going to go download my album just because I told them to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For real, man. May as well just go take it and one day it'll pop up in your iPod and you'll go, who the fuck's this? And, oh, it's that guy that I downloaded once. Yeah, and, and that's, why, that's why I don't mind the YouTube model. I mean, they're obviously still kind of working the model out and stuff as far as advertising <laughs> and that goes, but... I actually kind of like that model because there's there's loads of stuff that I'd watched on YouTube and then go, shit, that is really cool. And yeah. sometimes it takes the visual element, like seeing a song, how they represented it, yeah. and then just going, holy shit. I don't know, like, I best guess the best latest viral example of that would be 10 bucks, and I've, I haven't seen a single figure on this, but 10 bucks from that Gautier video that he recently oh, yeah. did. Yep. 10 bucks, that has absolutely just mind-blowingly blown out his album sales for this new album oh, that he's yeah, done definitely. off a single video. I mean, yeah. granted, the song's amazing and it would have been, you know, successful anyway. Yeah. But such an artistic and good video would have just absolutely no doubt in my mind that that would have contributed to his album sales being tenfold yeah, yeah, yeah. this time around. Well, I am... Um, I think I've just frozen my computer trying to save this project. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... But, no, to Mac, it, they can't freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola gets out about 10 times a day from me. Every time she goes, oh, no, it won't work on a Mac. I'm like, no, no, it's a, everything should work on a Mac. And what's this blue screen? It, it's almost like it's locked up, but it's a Mac, so it can't. Um, yeah, look, they're fucking reliable as fuck. Yeah, but, I know. You know, when I see that little wheel, I still get stressed out. Yeah, I just love having a... Um, but yeah, that the Gautier that, um, video, I wouldn't have even given that song two minutes on the radio like I'm kind of at my wits end with the sort of ambient go nowhere music yeah yeah it's just sort of like the I'm making some noise and I'm making it the same for the whole song <laughs> but then but what to me the beauty of that song and I actually did I, I actually did like it before watching the video yeah. on YouTube not yeah. to say that I'm in any way old school I just mean I liked it when people heard it on Triple J or whatever yeah, yeah but he seems to get it right for me and he he seems to be one of those single artists to me. Like when when he gets it right on a single, mm. I just I I can't believe how good it is. Yeah. Like when that chorus hits, because it is a bit airy fairy, and there's yeah. a little bit of noise, and you kind of think, what's going on here? Yeah. But then as soon as it that when his voice just hits that point, and yeah, man, yeah. when he gets it like that, I just yeah. And I, I, just I mean that clip shit. that clip really sold me on the song. Just watching him sing it like that, I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think the clip can even sell you on your own song in a sense like when we did our clip for where were you when i finally saw that back for the for the last time 
and kind of got it onto YouTube even and then watched it on YouTube. It's funny that a video looks just different on YouTube because mm. it seems like someone else did it. <laughs> yeah. That, to me, sold me the song. I was like, man, it really, it all of a sudden makes sense. It's dark and it's gritty and it's, mm. you know, it's black and white and it's just kind of, you know, it's got that really grungy kind of element in yeah. in the video. And yeah. it was just a weird moment. Well, yeah. with, the, with the one I did for Made Up My Mind, I just literally went out for a day with a friend and just said, film it. Yeah. And we'll just do shit. And then, because he, he told me, like, I said, oh, do you want to make my film clip and stuff? And he's like, yeah, yeah totally. Let's let's plan everything. And I was like, oh, I'm not really into planning. Yeah. I just kind of want to, you know, because I don't, if there's one thing I fear, it's looking like a douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I know that I write love songs and stuff, so I don't ever want to look like gotta a soppy. you got to be careful. you got to yeah. teeter on the right edge. Exactly. Yeah. So I just said, look, I just want to sell me. Don't, I don't want to pretend i'm acting some sort of role or whatever so i said literally let's film the whole day and he goes oh yeah he was a bit nervous about not having a plan wow and yeah. i was like well how are you at ed- editing and he's like i'm pretty good at edi- editing and i'm like well then i trust you and then when i watched it in his house for the first time i was like it blew my mind yeah, i was like all oh, came together yeah. This? <laughs> yeah well that's what i love about video i mean i'm only just starting to to i mean that where were you is oh that's actually technically the second video i ever edited the first one ever was the tall poppies consider video i did okay, that pause there for a second i'm with daniel papik i say right, papik pa- i say papik but okay. you can say either way because because i know there is there is a yeah debate is there a debate there <laughs> well the debate is generally yeah whether it's papak or papak your bags and go home <laughs> which is what i used to get a lot <laughs> in school oh, i've is, never heard it's that. actually a lot smarter like there was like primary school kids <laughs> that made up from papak papak your bags and go home and i was like wow that it, it took me till I got quite a bit older to realise just how good that is. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. All right, so I'm with Daniel Papik, the uh, guitarist from Waverly. Yeah. And now tell me what you're telling me. Um, just that the, the Tall Poppies video, Consider. Consider that was, and right, you can yeah. find that on YouTube, which, funnily enough, when because Macker actually uploaded that, the basis of Tall Poppies yep. uploaded that, um, and it didn't have sound for years on YouTube. It didn't have sound. Really? Yeah, I guess their codecs didn't work yeah, or yeah, some, yeah. something didn't, and then they just keep updating their codecs. And then one day we ch- checked it and it had sound, and we're like, cool, like YouTube just fixed yeah. that problem for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the first thing that I ever edited. And then I guess the second thing would have been actually, then I made a, a big, long kind of documentary for Macca's 21st, all about yep. his life and stuff. It's yeah, actually okay. really good. you got to see it. <laughs> You'll okay. be like, wow, that's so Macca. <laughs> And, um, but yeah, and then since, I mean, that was years and years ago, that would have been six or seven years ago. And then yeah, yeah. since then completely forgot everything I knew, just kind of relied on my, the fact that from using Pro Tools and audio programs so much, I've kind of thought logically, surely they make these programs similar and sure enough they do. They've just got the added element of having a visual yeah, image. So yeah. you're already kind of good at edits and stuff and fast yeah. edits and sharp edits yeah. and clean edits because you've been doing it in audio for so long. Yeah. So just applying that to video doesn't seem And it's seem just about, it. to me, crazy. for editing, it's just about like, I'm like, I go so slow until I have a clear idea of what I'm doing. Yeah, Once definitely. that idea's in my head, I'm like, okay, now I know what I'm doing and it's real fast. Yeah, exactly. But before no, that, because I do some stuff for work and until I figure out what the hell my plan is, I'm just like, I'm just putting stuff in the timeline going, I don't know what this is going to look like. And yep. it's just like, I just sit there for hours going, I hate video editing. But then yeah. when I get it, or I like put the song in, I'm like, now I know what I'm doing now that I'm using it to the song. And Definitely. Anyway, anyway, yeah. And cutting stuff down is another just huge aspect of editing. Like yeah. when we did our, Waverly did our EPK, like our electronic press kit for the making of the album. Ooh, sometimes called VPKs. 
Oh, really? Oh, oh, visual? Virtual. Virtual. Mm. I was thinking visual. Okay, yeah. Or video. Press kit, yeah. yeah. Maybe cool. that's a VVPK. Maybe v- v- triple V. VVEBK. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's not make it longer than this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did that and I did a 12-minute version and then I sent that... Well. I, Funnily enough, the quickest way it seems to get video around the planet these days is to upload it to YouTube, yep. not tell anyone about it, and just have someone else view it on YouTube. Yep. And I had done that and then sent it to... I had let Matt know, and yep. A&R, our, our, our A&R guy, mm-hmm. and he kind of watched it and went, yeah, cool, man, but it's 12 minutes long and not even the most diehard fan yeah. these days is going to have 12 that's minutes right. of their time to watch how you made an album. Mm. And I kind of thought at the time, that's crazy, man, like... It's 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 got everything it needs to have. Yeah. You know, it's us talking and this and that. And I ended up then cutting it from twelve minutes to five minutes. Yeah. And I watch it and I'm like, it has lost nothing. Yeah. yeah it yeah. hasn't lost a single bit of goodness that it had before. <laughs> yeah. If not if anything, it's gained it. It's more vibrant and exciting. The yeah. edits are quicker. Yeah. You know, you cut people's words off quicker, their whole sentences. You start realizing there's so many things people say that are just yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you cut all that down and it's five minutes and you're like, wow, that's a lot more interesting than it was at twelve. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I know even more about the album. <laughs> yeah, well I find um unless it's a song or like a live song or something, I try not to let anything go over five minutes because I'm like I know myself I lose concentration on even things I love yeah just absolutely and what made me think because I watched an EPK because after he said that I thought oh, I'll watch a couple more EPKs and see what their one's like and I was watching a Melbourne band I think they're from Melbourne The Nation Blue and I was mm. watching their latest album EPK and at one stage I remember thinking god this is taking forever <laughs> and then I looked down at the bar and it was three minutes yeah. into a five minute yeah. thing and I thought shit yeah. they have put so much content into that three minutes yeah. there when you're editing it yourself, I guess as an amateur or you know a noob or whatever you want to call yourself when you're starting out, <laughs> yeah. it, you just you, you kind of think that people need to hear everything, yeah. but you don't realise that people make so much of that story in their own head. They, yeah, they yeah, figure yeah. it out. They mm. you you can put two and two together, which is similar to songwriting. You can cut so much. Yeah. Like our album had so much fat on it, and we just kept you know telling ourselves cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. Yeah. And it seems like the more you cut it down the more you let the listener decide how they think the song or, mm. or or they make their own kind of they bridge the gap between the lyrics and stuff and yeah, yeah. it all still comes together in exactly the same way but just way yeah. shorter and and it's all about how you pace it as well i'm sure that nation blue one was probably just paced poorly there was too much you know talking in one scene and that's why that minute went so long for you exactly yeah instead of just yeah. going Hey, it's something funny over here. Cut yeah, to something yeah, interesting exactly. over here. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and, sorry, oh, there you go. There no, you, go. you mentioned Matt O'Connor. Yes. was his yep. name. And uh, I want to talk about him for a second because I want to get him on the show eventually. Fantastic. But yeah. uh, he's the head of the A&R department and worked at Warner and now looks after you guys. That's right, yeah. He was responsible for like those shitload of singles that Thirsty Merc had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every time I listen to that, because I love that Thirsty Merc album, and every time I listen to it, I'm just like... Matt, how did he like? Yeah, like, and just he, I mean, I just had a moment in the shower <laughs> mm. <laughs> listening to the Thirsty Merc As album, just just appreciating. I mean, obviously they wrote the songs. It's you know they were the majority of the brilliance is them, but the timing of each single and ha- the order of the singles, and I was like, because yeah. if the first single didn't work, then the next six weren't gonna exactly. And I'm just like, how did he get it so right for that one album? Like by the just time nailed that, it. Yeah, by the time that. If I can remember, and I don't really listen to commercial radio, so I wasn't a hugely, didn't really see the thing. I mean, you couldn't really miss them at that. So they yeah. sold like 250,000 copies mm. of that album or Crazy, something. Yeah. But 
by the time I, I do recall that by the time Twenty Good Reasons came out, which was what what the, like the seventh single or something, yeah. By the time that came out, it was like you just couldn't get any bigger right now. Yeah. Like, you well, that was actually their, released a better. Song. That was actually their second album, but there were so many singles you didn't even notice uh, the stop of. The, the, there was there a, was no a like oh we're waiting for the shit, second yeah. album. It was just like straight into. Because yeah, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I, I from from where they went. I'm kind of thinking of that song where they were playing in an office, but I think that probably was... That's Emancipate Myself. And is that off the first album? Yeah. Wow. And I think that was the... This is my recollection of it. I think that was their first single, and then My Completeness was their second single. And and I, even that's brilliant to me, because Emancipate Yourself isn't anywhere near the best song on the album. Yeah. But I'm like, maybe Matt was just building up to the best one. He didn't want to like go... Because a lot of people will miss that first one and yeah. you know, go back to it. Yeah, I definitely feel like, I mean, the song that, like, he's helped us loads throughout, you know, choosing songs, obviously, I mean, it's what he does. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely the first song that we're releasing, Where Were You, is by no means the most catchy or yeah. or, or most anthemic song on the album. I mean, yeah. it, it'd be one of the least, you know, it's one of the, the more credible kind of mm. gritty songs on there. But I think there's, there's so much to be said for putting out a song like that first, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of your way of saying, you know, this is... Because you can't you can't go backwards in a rock band. It, it, it's and I think I've well not struggled with this you know always, but I've never been sure what shelf I wanted to come in on as a rock band. But through the course of doing this album, it's really clear that you've got to as a rock band almost. And, and depending on what kind of audience you're going for, but you've really got to come in on the bottom floor. Yeah. You've really got to come in with the cred, with something that, yeah. you know, oh, God help you, please, Triple R will play. Kind mm. of thing. I mean, that's that's for us it's a little bit hard because we kind of sit somewhere almost between two commercial for Triple R. Yeah. N- maybe not commercial enough for a Triple M or something. So, yeah, yeah. I hope there's, there's also Triple J in there as well. But Yeah. Um, but who knows what they're into. Yeah, I mean, it's God knows. Hard. I mean, you're really you're just shooting in the dark and hoping that yeah. it hits Richard Kingsmill in the head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not literally. <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard. Please play my song. Well, just get an Aussie hip hop guy to do it. Do yeah, the third exactly. verse, and you'll be on there. Yeah, no exactly. Um, yeah. So, I think yeah, you've really got to come in on that ground level. Like you've got to come in with cred and showing the real, you know, the the, the harder yeah. side of you, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and because if people get into that they'll accept you for going you know a little bit more commercial as you go on because that's the natural progression but if you come in trying to sound like fallout boy you are so screwed as a rock band in australia maybe in america you might do okay if you're one of the it's it seems almost like a lottery in america that's the one thing i'm kind of happy about being australian for is it doesn't seem like such a lottery like it does in america like in america so many stars seem to have to align to get you any kind of, you know, semblance of popularity. Whereas mm. here, it seems like if you do, you know, chip away at it for long enough, you will somewhat, If you, as long as you're not doing it in completely the wrong way, it seems like in Australia you will kind of be at least somewhat recognised. Yeah. And if nothing else, you'll go down as a cult figure. You know yeah. what I mean? You'll go down... I, I want to say the meanies, but they were they were huge. So I don't want to say the meanies, but you know, but you know, today they might be regarded as at least they're still a cult figure. It's not like they're putting out albums anymore. But you know, there was a time in the early nineties when they were huge. Yeah. And I think you can do that in Australia. You can, if you chip away enough, you know, something will kind of eventually happen for you. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't see it much. Like the the one 
the out of out of nowhere stars from America, maybe they maybe they do have a massive backstory. But I know what you're saying, in that in Australia, all our biggest stars, you you know almost as soon as they're on the scene, you know that they've been doing it forever. Yeah. It's you can almost tell like. All the famous bands we've had have been like, it's never just been like, where did these guys yeah. come from? It's always like, you can tell that they're you know, battle-hardened. You know, yeah, almost. exactly. And and very rarely, I mean, obviously there are cases and uh, we're clearly not talking about Australian Idol and just yeah. tripe like that. But And those teeny bopper emo bands that... Yeah, yeah, you know, short stacks. I mean, we're clearly not talking about <laughs> yeah, short stacks no. and stuff. But it seems that the the average age of a band, like you look at bands that, are, you know, are doing things in Australia and you're looking at the drones and bands like that, you know, and they're not they're not 18-year-olds, mm. you know. They're, yeah. they're somewhat getting on, you know. They're getting yeah. into their 30s and that, and that seems to be... It's almost like... But that's very Australian to really... You just you test something until... Mm. It's about to fall apart, and then finally you say, "Okay, cool, we'll give you a chance." Yeah, exactly, you know? and that's why, and that's kind of a an advertisement for perseverance. Like I think that all the time, every rejection I've ever yeah. received, I always think it always ends up being like six months later, and I just suddenly realised that I wasn't ready to be to have that success anyway. I wasn't yeah, ready. Yeah. If if they had picked up that song they would have been stupid like because yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of look back and go like of course i got rejected yeah like, and, what a dickhead and that's what i always wonder about a guy like richard kingsmill who's <clears throat> just in case someone doesn't know he's the music director at triple j and australia's biggest radio station if you're not listening in yeah. australia i've got some american um, fans so. yeah yeah i mean so triple j is, is your equivalent i mean triple j effectively is a radio station that is so big in australia it yeah. broadcasts nationally if Triple J pick you up, it's literally instantly the difference between your band playing gigs to nobody, and I mean nobody, yeah. you know, your five, ten mates or yeah. possibly 20 fans, to the next day after you get played on Triple J, yeah. you're, you're considered to have, you know, been accepted into some invisible ranks of Australian royalty, yeah. and there's your ticket. You're instantly getting 200 people to every show. Yeah, and they they, they shape the Australian music culture like you Absolutely. Yeah, Richard Kingsmill, literally, if he decides to wave his magic wand on you one day, it could mean your whole career is set from there. Because yep. that's the other thing in Australia is when a band, if it's a credible good band or artist... You know, once they've done a good album, it's not like when their second album's rubbish, they're completely shit-canned and they're mm. never going to be heard of ever again. Triple J, if they've put their, you know, collective... Not money, because it's government-funded, but, you know, if they've put their collective force behind you, yeah. they will let you come back and they will let you try. Fuck, they're still playing you on my records. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, You and I haven't put out anything good for, like, yeah. 10 years and they're still playing every single single that yeah. you and I put out. So. And, I mean, that, that third Bob Evans album was rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> but well, it got, yeah. It got spun, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Amounts. Just if, you, if you're there, you're... I'm fairly confident. He won't listen to this. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's never touring with you again. Remember that name, Bronny. Oh, man. No, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, if, if you can get Richard... King- and that's, sorry, the point of that was that Richard Kingsmill, I think, maybe he does know something we don't know. Like, it's so easy to bag a dude like him. But when you kind of think about, you know, the, the great music that has come out of Australia and mm. so much of it has been because he's, you know, yep. waved his wand on it. 
it's kind of like he must be doing something right. Yeah. And it must be yeah. hard for the guy because he yeah. can't listen to every fucking band yeah. and every artist that wants to get heard. Everyone wants to be heard. He's really got a tough job because he has to be able to listen to a song and within two minutes decide whether his listeners mm, yeah. are going to think it's just shit or not. You know, he's been in that job for like 40 years. Well, um, that's an exaggeration. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, um, you know, I as I've wisened up since, you know, since my early 20s and late teens, I respect every time I get rejected rather than like back then I'd be like, fuck, fucking hell. Not again. The whole world's <laughs> against me. Yeah, like, yeah. this music rocks. What are you talking about? <laughs> and now it's just like, well, that, yeah, it's, he's probably right. You know, in a, in a year's time, I'm going to go, yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. And you know? then you've just got to pray that whatever you're currently working on, which is the bomb, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. will, he will get exactly. that. And then you'll be like, oh, yes, that was the one. And well, I, um, who was it? What was there's a band called Skipping Girl Vinegar. They were used to be called Mayfly, Jeez. is that right? Fuck yeah. I remember buying Mayfly's EP yeah. in two thousand and one, two thousand and yeah, maybe jeez, yeah. two thousand, two thousand one, that's a lot. Because I heard a story that I think was relayed from their guitarist through a friend of mine who knows him. And he said that they were about to release that the first Skipping Girl Vinegar single they were about to release as Mayfly mm-hmm. and then on a whim changed the name and and they reckon because they weren't going back to radio as Mayfly and it was suddenly like, whoa, this new band and this awesome song. Yeah. It was kind of, that's why they got their little ticket in. Far out. Yeah, well, they were a band that when the name Skipping Girl Vinegar started, I saw them at Falls a few years ago mm-hmm. and I kind of thought, jeez, man, you guys have been slogging it out for ages and, and they were playing to a small crowd on a small stage at Falls Festival. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, you know, you're really slogging it out. But then recently... They had like feature album on Triple Jar, something, something really yeah. crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, their last album was pretty. Yeah, and I thought, wow, well talk about perseverance! Yeah. Like that must be. I mean, you know, kudos to the guy in that band, or you know, forget what his name is, but you know, kudos to him because mm. Jesus, man, like it could have been easy to give up a long time ago. You yeah, know, when you're yeah. thinking, shit, is anything going to get picked up? But, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I also know he. They work on like a Four Seasons structure. I may get this completely wrong, but I know it's somewhat right. <laughs> yeah, like it was either them or Vivaldi. <laughs> someone had no, four seasons. No, they have like they they have their writing season, and then they have their touring season and their recording season. I don't know what the fourth one is. Far out. Maybe the video. Season. But they structure everything like that, so they're never doing the two things. So when they're on tour, they're never thinking about writing. Gee. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to think, though, that by that time being... I mean, we can somewhat still get away in a mid-20s um, with still kind of, you know, living the dream even though there's no success attached to yeah. it kind of thing. We can yeah. still get away with that. But, I mean, that guy must be pushing 40 or something now. I, I, yeah. I, I completely made that up. I don't know how old he is. <laughs> but, you know, he'd be getting on. Yeah. And... You know, to a guy like him, I guess you'd almost have to structure it in that. It seems it seems to be a lot of American bands do that. The ones that aren't necessarily the biggest band in the world, but aren't you know nobody's kind of thing. You know, the the American bands that persevere seem to have that structure more. Yeah. They seem to be really, you know, it's a real job to them. You know, yeah. They, yeah. they tour and then they record and then this happens and then that happens and and then they just seem to. It mm. seems really obvious just from even watching them live that it's not just like. They're just playing off the, you know, you know, they've just woken up that day and played a show. Like, it seems everything seems incredibly structured. Yeah. Well, I kind of, like, that's something, that's part of the, uh, 
you know, that would be a dream come true for me to be able to go, all right, now I'm just writing and recording and I'm not playing. Yeah. But but for people like you and me, we kind of have to keep popping our name out there so that people don't forget who we are, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love that luxury just to be able to go, all right, I'm pissing off for a while, you know, like I'm going to go write the next album and you're not going to see me until then. That would be amazing. Would I can never just... see that happening in no. my, in my <laughs> like, projection of my life in my mind. That is just not mm. a feasible thing. So like, going back to um, Matt, yeah, how much influence has he had on that? I know because I introduced him to you. That's in, right. It was last year, right? Yeah, would have been like early last year. S- time has just—I yeah. have no idea, man. This—it's not to say that this album's taken a particularly long amount of time as far as albums go. Mm. I mean, it's not really an album; it's eight songs. We call it a mini album because yeah. we heard about on Triple J say that, so <laughs> we thought that'd be a cool thing to call it. It's our ticket in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure, they like mini albums. No, it actually is so that then when we do our, do our full, you know. Yeah, twelve song album. Then we can say that we've got like it's our debut album again. Yeah, yeah. And now we're just saying debut mini album in all our huge marketing campaigns. But yes, Matt uh, O'Connor had a massive influence. Yeah, really. It's yeah. it's it's pretty. Not as far as like you know he wrote the friggin' songs yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. like. But I, and that's and this one. I've got a couple friends who are in situations at the moment where they're kind of about to release things or about to start recording things. And, yeah, I mean, we've obviously got, you know, the question a lot, you know, is it worth, you know, teaming up with a dude like that? You mm. know, is it, is, it, is it the kind of thing, you know, do you see the benefit? And the benefit that we've seen from working with that with those guys, they don't actually, they shape the album a lot. I, and I say they because it's not just Matt. There's a few people there that, you know, work with us. And, yeah. and you were working with us in the early days pretty, you know, heavy on the album and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where was I going with that? I'm sorry, I've... I completely lost that. People ask if you see the benefit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like they don't necessarily say, do this to this song mm. because Darius and I don't respond well to that anyway. You know, like change this exactly like like how we say to do something. It's not – and Darius is, is the other co-writer in the band, my brother. All he'll have to say is something really, really small like, oh, think about this or something like that. Yeah. And it might even be some completely abstract point that's got nothing to do with the song. You know, maybe think about this when you're thinking about this song. And from tiny things like that, mm. Darius and I will then go back and we'll think about it and, you know, just being the kind of guys we are, we'll completely overanalyze it and take it to its logical extreme and back again and then, you know, all over the shop. Yeah. And then in the process of that happening, the song might be completely unidentified. Like if you had have heard these songs, the demos of these, I'll, I'd love to, one day I'll release the demos of these songs, yeah. or, I mean, you know, friends can ask for them and you can have them, but <laughs> it's the album, ver- yeah, <laughs> the album versions of these songs are almost indistinct. All yeah. the lyrics are different. All the song structures are different. Yeah. The songs have basically no fat on them compared to what they did on the, on the demos. Yeah. Everything's changed. And that is the big thing with guys like Matt. It's like just working with a guy that you know has done cool stuff and you really respect yourself makes you work so much yeah. harder. And that's why I can't... And not that I try and upsell the idea to anyone because it's not for everyone, you know, no. working with a guy like that so isn't for everyone. But if it is for you and if you feel like you, you need that extra push, God, man, a guy like that, you know, for Darius and I, was just a godsend. Yeah. And because you're in your own world for such a long time, especially riding with your brother, like... Yeah, it's absolutely. The Daniel and Darius show for so long. You need someone to force some introspection. So yeah. Just go like, just to just say, think about this, and you go like, well, I, I never would have. Yeah. I mean, 
right down to the video and stuff like that video even went through you know five or six versions you know because mm. he'd just go oh it seems a bit slow like it's moving a bit slow or something add another interest point into it you know and yep. and it's like then you kind of like and okay, you have to cool, decide what for can that. we do yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you then think about it and you kind of go well shit you know well I've got a scooter, I've got a girlfriend, I'll chase her down this alleyway and that'll yeah, be kind yeah. of funny and you know, yeah. we'll kind of somehow work that into it. And then from doing something small like that, and here's a here's a little um, sneak preview, the next film clip actually starts, oh. the next film clip for our next single will start just like the other one ended, yep. chasing a girl down the, um, down the alleyway, but this time you'll get to put your hand on her shoulder and see her turn around. Ooh. There you go. It's gonna be wow. it's gonna be crazy and shit like that. It it all kind of flows into it one yeah, another. Yeah. And that yeah, I mean that's I mean aside from the the other the other huge advantage of having a guy I mean that's kind of all abstract stuff and that's you know yeah. more thought stuff and you know if you're the kind of guy that thinks about stuff a lot it's great to have someone like him to kind of because Darius and I, so so many thoughts and so many ideas and stuff. Whereas he kind of just like belts them into place, left yeah. and then right, then left, and and then it kind of squeezes it down into a tube where it works or whatever. That's what that's what his job is on a creative level with us. But then there's the the other fact that he goes, we didn't know who we were going to record this album with. We were kind of all over the place trying some different options. Mm. And then he and then we said, you know, let's get some you know producers and and, and engineers along to a show of ours and we had kind of thought of things like that before and Darius and I have written a million emails to a million different people saying a million different things in the best way we could Yeah. all he seemed to have to do was write the dodgiest email being like hey there's this band that I'm looking after da 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 maybe you should check them out of this thing and then we had like 10 producers turn up to this gig and it's like what the hell man I could have asked a million I could have asked all those same people and you know sent them a friggin yeah I don't know, a bottle of whiskey and asked mm. them to come and they wouldn't have come. But That's totally right. Yeah, like, he's just got this crazy, I don't know. He's, earned, he's just earned this sort of respect and power. And 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 I'm sure he wouldn't, there's, there's a, probably a list of people that would get, you know, say he wasn't as thrilled with his other band as he was with Waverly and he'd kind of send it. He, <laughs> you, you guys are like, oh, the, sorry, the other band's like, oh, we want some producers to go. He might choose, like, three of those producers and go, like, oh, I'll send them to that. But he's like, you know, I'm sure there's a hierarchy of... He wants to save, <laughs> yeah, he wants to save, his, re- <laughs> he wants to save his reputation in, like... Yeah, you should go check out Waverly, because I'm sure he doesn't want to send those people to all this shit. So yeah, he's, well, obviously, he's obviously done a lot of work to build up that... If Matt's telling us to go, it's probably good. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, it, I don't know if I phrased all that right, but you know, basically, he's he's obviously got. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for necess- built up, if, whether built up there's any kind of, of favoritism or anything, but I, I definitely know that. I mean, I can call the guy at twelve o'clock at night; he'll pick up. Yeah, and he will want to talk about the, the band, and he will want yeah. to talk about you know what what's happening and any concern I might have about anything, you know, he'll want to allay that and, you know, mm. and let me know how he can help with that kind of thing. So I'm so glad that worked out for you, man. Like I obviously you were the first friend of mine that I sent to him and I was obviously nervous as shit. Like, yeah. Like, oh. Cause I know that you had to outlay some money to get involved and stuff. And I was yeah. like, this doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. The last time I speak to Daniel and Darius. Well, I mean, <laughs> Darius was literally, I mean, him and me and especially him cause he's, if you'd consider me to be somewhat of a creative type or whatever, like he just takes the cake. Like he's, I, even me, I'm constantly hemming him in trying to yep. make sense of what he's trying to put. Like he's the one that, I mean, he'll just vomit out a song yep. that's just so raw and so real. Like it, it'll be too real, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, and we work together kind of thing, and then we work with a guy like Matt. But, you know, the biggest change on the whole album... Actually, well, I, sorry, the single biggest conceptual change on the album mm-hmm. was after we'd recorded the whole thing yep. and spent... <laughs> Not countless amount of money because that's the other thing with Matt is he got us an amazing deal yeah. on recording yeah. the album, yeah. like a stupidly amazing deal yeah. f- for what we got. Yeah, and um, you know, we, it's just a thing. Like I, I, I might be the greatest salesman in the world, but but without a name, I can't go asking a guy like Craig Harniff, "Hey, man." Here's the deal. Here's here's yeah, the album yeah. we want to make, and here's how we're going to make it. Look, like we're really good, so you yeah. should just knock off a couple of bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gonna... just can't say that to Craig Harniff yet. Yeah, I mean. He's the kind of guy that set. He, we worked with Craig and we worked it out. And we made it happen. I mean, our budget was fuck all for the album. It really wasn't that big. Yeah. Um, and who's and Craig Harnath? Just give. Oh, sorry, Craig Harnath um, has recorded. He recorded. The, well, he produced the album, so he didn't record it. His yep. his dude Jez Giddings recorded the album, but Craig was there every day producing. And he's worked on. Uh, he's worked and he did Jets, back off, bitch, and uh, what is oh, it? Did back he? off, bitch. Is that what that song's called? Um, cold, cold hard bitch. Yeah, cold hard bitch. <laughs> so he did that. Cold, cold. Yeah, he produced Back off, that. Bitch. He fucking um, motor race. Yeah. Uh, Five star laundry. He did. Oh, actually, one of them he did. One was Paul McCurcher and the other was Craig Hunter. But anyway, he's done like yeah. that. Franz Ferdinand. He's done some amazing stuff. And yeah, he's just got his setup in his. He's got a small studio, but it's every piece of equipment there's really good, and mm-hmm. and it's got a really cool sound that you can hear on the album. But yeah. um. I cut, totally cut you off. Continue. No, no, that's okay. Um, so the biggest conceptual change was after we'd done all this work with Craig yeah. and Jez and recorded this whole album, we'd sent the thing up to Matt being like, oh, man, you know, me and Darius thinking, fuck, he's, he, he's just surely, he's going to be like, oh, it's a number one hit. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you guys have done it. Like, you know, after all this hard work, we're finally there. And he called me and he was like, and, it, and you could tell it was, you know, it was tough for him to say and he was worried to say but he knew he needed to yeah and effectively when the album started i sung half the album yeah five at the time there was about there was nine songs then i sung four out of nine songs solely by myself yeah and his big thing uh, and and he and he, he actually had not second guessed himself but he actually had to check it with another producer a, a really respected friend of his who i'm not sure who it actually was yeah but he effectively suggested that i no longer sing yeah. Which is just, to me, like, wow, you know. It wasn't actually that surprising because I'd always kind of felt like there was something special about the way Dara sung songs. Like, there was something more real and, and cooler about it. But, man, what a change. Like, that was... Yep. We then had to go back and literally but redo stop. all How of that. stop. How was that for you, though? Well, I kind of expected it. Mm. I, before the phone call or just you know, as you no, started? No, before it. And, and he kind of knew that, I think. And when he talked to me, he was kind of like, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, did I? Am I telling myself I did? Or, or did I really know it was going to happen? And have I known this for a while that this was going to happen? My voice is really... It's suited to a different type of music. You can put it that way. Mm-hmm. Give me an acoustic guitar and I'll give you... I'll give you not gold, you know, like in that sense, but you know, I'll give you something that I can really believe in. Yeah. But when it comes to really, you know, when it comes to really rocking a song and really killing that track, yeah. It just doesn't happen so much on songs like what's on our first album. Yeah. And because we wanted to come in that front door, uh, sorry, on that bottom level. Yeah. 
we knew that he had the the voice that was just so much more credible and yep. and then there's definitely a view for me to sing so much more in the future and okay, cool. I'm at, I love singing yeah um but just for this record it just made so much sense and it was mm. stuff like that like who tells you that shit who has the guts no, yeah he's to a brilliant guy and go I'm sorry man even though you and your brother yep. share singing yeah I'm blatantly suggesting that you aren't the singer of the band anymore yep. that's massive yeah and it was when that happened it was just like man and they're songs you wrote as well oh yeah absolutely and, and so now, now and Darius has had singing. to interpret those yep. you know into his own voice kind of thing songs that I've written that are you know about my personal things and yep. and when he did that I was just like man that's like respect man for having the guts yeah and I'm probably not the easiest guy to say that something like that I assume that I've probably got some kind of you know you, you wouldn't want to necessarily say something like that but he he just knew what was best for it and and, and went with it but let me just say one other thing so that was the biggest conceptual change mm-hmm. to the album Leonard, mm-hmm. that, and that was a conceptual change to the band as well and you know yeah how we're going to attack this whole you know because we feel like this is the first thing we've ever done. Yeah. Now, the, the, the EP that we did, it just seems like a joke. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, we recorded and it was an amazing recording and, and we, we worked with another producer, Davin Pododo, on that, which he just did, who also worked with you on your album. Yep, yep. And man, is he, he has got such an ear for mm. detail and yep. getting small things right. Like, yep. it's just insane and, and well, we think love about, it. The thing about Dav is, like, I can leave a studio knowing... Mm-hmm. that we must have got the right takes because, like, I can just throw my trust at him yeah. and just be like, no matter how I feel about the day, if he said, that's it, then I can go like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to listen back in a week's time and I'm going to yeah. be like, oh, you were right, you know. Yeah. That's the best thing about <laughs> With that. a guy like Dad, though, he's so good at editing that it's whether <laughs> or whether or not you did get that take right, you know you're going to hear him back and be like, holy shit, did this really sound like that? That's amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely got that going for him. Like, yeah, in a big yeah, way. yeah, But as far as, like, you know, releasing and, 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 and doing anything, it's just that EP is another one of those. And I don't know if this happens all over the world, but it certainly happens to here with a lot of my friends and a lot of bands that I know. Yeah. It's that album, you get the minimum run of 500, you sell 120 in the first week, you sell 50 over the next year and then the next hundred and, sorry, next 300 sit under your bed for the rest of your life. That's you know right, what I mean? Yeah. I have so many garbage bags full of CDs that yeah. are beautifully printed and done. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and at the time, I was putting so much effort into yeah. them. Yeah. But it's like, without working with a guy like Matt, it all seems so futile. You're, just, yeah. you're literally just banging shit out for nothing. Yeah. No one's listening. No one cares. Yes, you sell it to your mates and yes slog it out gig after gig selling a CD here a CD there sometimes you do a gig and five people buy it you think shit it's all coming together now but then it just falls apart all over again and you know that was just another huge you know thing with working with a guy you know like Matt so yeah but yeah sorry I was was actually going to say that the biggest structural change on the album, yeah. probably considered one of the biggest, was actually you, Bronny. I don't know. If oh. you, I don't know if you know this, and you will know it when you. I've now given you a copy, so yep. you'll be able to hear it. Yep. Um, the song "Amy Remember," which uh-huh. opens the whole album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bronny came up to Darius and I once, and it used to be this extravagant, huge song with this massive orchestral ver- uh, bridge and you know, really out there kind of stuff happening. And Bronny came to us at a gig at the Brunswick Hotel, and he said. You should cut that whole thing in half. You should go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and and just end it there, and just leave people hanging and wondering what the hell happened to that song. Like yeah. it was just, it's so in your face, and then it just ends. 
And it was funny because almost that night, Darius and I were like, oh, we're so doing that. Because I, I didn't know how you were taking it when I told you. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I'm telling you and you're both looking at me smiling, I'm thinking, are they smiling through their hatred right now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are exactly. to change a Waverly song? <laughs> no, I mean, we... And that's the thing. Guys like us, we're so... We are the polar opposite of the guy. I once recorded a guy in a studio that I used to own. When I say studio, <laughs> I'm using the term very loosely. Yeah. Um, but I once recorded this guy. It was for a song competition, and he wanted just one song recorded. And the song, I mean, no joke, the song went for eight minutes or something, and yeah. it was just the most... <laughs> I don't know how much I should talk about the song. I don't know if one day I'll hear me saying this. <laughs> but... Put it this way, it was around 2011 and the song dealt with a certain event... Sorry, around 2001 and it dealt with a certain event uh. that many country superstars felt that they should be the ones to deal with at the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was the most blathering, never-ending song and it was just so emotionally corrupt. It was just terrible. Yeah. And I remember trying to make some suggestions to him and he turned to me at one stage and because and, I'm trying to kind of produce the thing and kind of trying to tighten it up a bit. This is 10 years ago. Yeah. And he turned to me and he goes, cutting, I said, oh, maybe you should cut that line out. It was a particularly bad line. Yeah. Comparing something really bad. And, 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 and I said, you know, maybe you should think about kind of, you know, rewording that or, or cu- I think I used the word cutting that out. And he goes, cutting that would be like having a baby and cutting it open. And I was like, cool, dude. Oh, my God. How am I supposed to produce this or record at all? And from then on, it was a very kind of, not a sour session, but it was very much, okay, yep, play what you want and I'll just record it kind of thing. You obviously have your opinion. Darius and I could not be further from that guy. Like, we are, and this is why a guy like Matt works so well with us is because if someone makes a suggestion to us, man, if it's good, I'm like, thanks, do I have to pay you for that? Like, it's freaking awesome, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so totally. getting a suggestion like that from you was just like hearing how you could cut the fat. Like, that was just one of those kind of like, you know, eureka moments where we were just like, wow, the song would kind of be cool like that. Because, I mean, and not to mention that middle eight was really hard to play as well. And yeah. So you were like, Really yes. screwed up chords yeah. and some really just weird stuff going on there that just didn't work. But then we ended up changing it further and further and further to the point that that's actually a really abstract song now. For an opening track on an mm. album, it really hits you in a weird way. The, you know, the verses have a single lead guitar. There's no, there's no. This is really weird. You got to hear it. But, yeah, well, I can't wait. And because I remember just because I got the demos really early on, and I would listen to them religiously in the car because <laughs> I felt a, a duty to kind of have an opinion. So I would listen to them so much, and I got so into them. And I just remember that the chorus to Amy Remember, and then you there's a stop before that bridge that you're mentioning. Yep. And I was always just like, oh, and I felt like this, I was so worked up. <laughs> and then this bridge started, and I'm like, oh, what's it doing now? Yeah. And, and every time, and I thought I'd get over it, but it never grew on me. Like, I was always like, yes, great song, great song, great song. What's happening now? <laughs> yeah, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. And it was because you kind of, and, you had, and one of the things that really sold us was how you said, you get to that point every time you hear in your car and you quickly sli- skip to yeah. the next song as though it ended there. And you were like, and it sounded so much better to then hear the next song come in. Yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's kind of cool. And it, and it kind of goes from being such a, I mean, it's probably one of the harsher songs on the album, like, you know, and the way it's recorded. I mean, what those guys did at Hot House and also the way it was mastered. Man, I don't know if you've ever had, have you ever had something mastered at Deluxe by Jack the Bear? No, no. 
get your next thing mastered. That, that guy, not only is he just absolutely insane at mastering, mm. you'll just spend the day with him and be like, can I be like you one day? Like <laughs> he's a he's like a counselor and yeah. just the most the warmest heart that guy's got. Yeah, really. And he's just so good at what he does, and you know, and and just the way he mastered it and the way it sounds. Yeah, that that first song comes off so harsh. And then it kind of goes into one of the softer songs on the album or one of the more kind of poppy, you know, yep, yep. rocky kind of pop songs. And yeah, it's just such a cool thing because it ends so abruptly and then it just goes into this beautiful kind of yeah, guitar piece. So you mentioned before the tall poppies that I want to I want to get into that as well because it's That's obviously a polar opposite world to the one that you're in now in Waverley. But you were still a songwriter. But I, I just know that it was in terms of attitude... There were more chicks, put it that way. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I also no. wanted to get into that. Not the chick part, but I've known you for a very long time and we didn't really get the best start to a to a male relationship. It was quite angsty towards each other. Or at least that's how I felt it was. I have heard about this, man. <laughs> and this has really bugged me. And this, that just reminded me of it then again. See, I've, someone told me about this and I was like, really? I... I know I don't have a good memory, but yeah. I must be a fucking dumbass. Because even onlookers would would have known that you and I didn't like each other. I just... I, <laughs> why I can't remember that <laughs> blows my mind. I, and I lit- and I'm not joking at all. I'm not. I'm not having you on, and I'm no, not. No. I'm not stirring the pot at all. I honestly. Yeah. I can't remember that at all. I must have had. Back then, I, I had a lot of shit on my mind, and a lot of. Mm. I had a lot of enemies. Man, my life's changed. I had a lot of enemies back then. Mm. Why was that? So, so maybe... Um, oh, podcast with Daniel. I just got a reminder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bit late, computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, why did I have a lot of enemies? Because I was a fucking douchebag. I was really a fucking... And, and that's why if anyone ever says to me, we didn't get along, I can pretty well say that it was probably my fault. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I was young, man. I had chicks on my mind. I just... It, I... I my morals probably were askew. I don't know. Yeah. And I think if there was any kind of questionable situation where, you know, generally it seemed to come from girl things. If there was a questionable situation where a guy liked a girl, whether or whether or not I knew that he liked her, mm. but she had a thing for me or whatever happened there and I ended up playing that out or whatever, yeah. you're bound to make enemies, man. And especially when you're a fucking smartass like me and, and you just don't give a fuck if someone yeah. doesn't, you know, if someone's yeah. got it in for you. And a songwriter too, because you you were obviously winning a lot of hearts with the old <laughs> song. Down here by and the there. creek, <laughs> sure. I, I mean, mean, like who knows? Honestly, the- like girl, because me and Daniel went to the same high school. You were the year above me. Um, it seems like a, a world ago, a world oh, yeah. ago, <laughs> a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I was I wasn't the musician of my year level, but I was the one. Sing, fronting a band and writing my own songs. Everyone else is playing covers and, and mm. whatever. And I'm writing songs and and there's this motherfucker in the year <laughs> above me who is writing Ooh. these love songs and every girl who listens to music likes him in my year level and the year level below me. What? Yeah. You know, see, I don't know that, man. Maybe I'm <laughs> and, and you would give them mixed CDs of your songs and stuff and girls in the year below me, I'm really? telling you. Yeah. See, I can't even remember and, shit like that. And, I'm, and, and that's not why I didn't like you. That was just a, a part of you. But um, I just remember I actually wrote a really pathetic song. It's so pathetic, this. But when you left the school, obviously you graduated the year before me, 
um, I wrote a song about, you know, thank fuck, get the fuck out. Did you really? Yeah. How do I not know any of this shit? <laughs> I feel, and when people tell me some of these, when whoever it was, it might have even been Darius or someone, my brother Darius, yeah. it might have even been him who kind of goes, yeah, like how, you know, you and Bronny used to hate each other. Or whatever. I was like, because, and no, no, and I can genuinely say this, I wouldn't have hated you. Okay. I never had it. There was no guy except for a few guys in my year level that were yeah. bullies yeah. because I, I'd, I'd never considered, you know, I might have been a douchebag and, and a... I like that, you know, I'm not going to say womanizer because the girls were probably 15 and I was 16. Like I'm not wasn't some kind of womanizer, but I genuinely, the, you know, I definitely wasn't a bully and, yeah, yeah. Or, or anything like that. And, and I, I really didn't like bullies. Yeah. And they're the only people that I didn't like, though. I can genuinely say that I wouldn't have harbored yeah. any ill That's feelings. That's so weird because I, I would have, could have sworn that you did. There was this one time, there's plenty of times, but there was this one time you were walking out of the school. This is in your blonde hair phase. And, um, Which one? <laughs> was it the was it the full head or was it just the one full streak? Head, full head. Okay, so that was um, year eleven. Yeah, and and I'm obviously year ten then, and and I'm walking out onto that road that goes all the way out of the school, and you're walking out with your bag, and I said hi to you because I was just like I didn't think I was quite aware of whether we were getting along yet. I was like hey, and you were like yeah hey whatever. Oh bullshit! <laughs> no, I, did I, I swear really to God. say that? Yeah, and you're walking with um, Paul oh, McManus, who I'm going to get on the show as well one day. Um, but you and Paul, to me, were then just like, because I just lumped Paul with you, because you know, fuck. And you know what? Paul actually, yeah, in a pretty bad way, got lumped with me because it's funny that it's funny that I would have done something like that. And and I can genuinely say it's funny because I had a real tough time in Year Eleven because mm. I came back to that school. Um, from I, I lived in the Middle East when from I, I, was, I went to the school that Bronnie went to Aquinas in year seven, and my whole family left the country for year eight, nine, and ten. Or, oh you know, wow! Was when that I long? was yeah three years, yep. I did year eight, nine, and ten overseas in Saudi Arabia, and when I came back in year eleven, I had a really tough time. Uh, Paul was actually he was the only dude that stood by me mm. when I got back. No one wanted to know me. I remember even people that I was like really good friends with. There was a guy, and I'll say his name, I don't give a fuck, his name was Adam Stafford, if he's ever listening to this. He's a closet Bronny fan. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, I was going to buy Bronny's CD, not more. But um, he he was really, really good friends with me in year seven, and then I got back in year 11, and I think I I said, hey, man, how are you going or whatever? And he had his posse of douchebag football players with him. And didn't even he didn't he didn't brush me off he didn't even say a single word back yeah. and just walked straight past me with all these mates and and Macca was the only one Paul who who paid me any mind and because of that he was the guy in up until that point up until year eleven when I got back he was the cool dude in school like he was the guy that everyone loves the guy you know he was the Macca you know of all the yep. McManus McFlaggeries or whatever the fuck there was in yep. the he was the Macca you yep. know the the big tall blonde headed strawberry blonde kind of musician you know every he had you know everything going for him and stuff and he was the cool dude and and he uh, and I will never not I'll never, you know, cast the guy aside no matter what happens because of this. Because in in throughout those years, year eleven and year twelve, he man, he stood by me and lost almost every one of his friends. He stopped getting party invites. He stopped wow. everything. Stopped. You might have got a really skewed view of me being yeah, wow. level below me. I was yep. really unpopular. Wow. I can remember doing <laughs> in year twelve, and this because it went right through to year twelve. Yep. In year twelve, we did the school 
for our final fucking year 12 assembly the song that was that we would had chosen we did a big you know what, what's going to be our song and of course it was holy grail by hunters and collectors for some bizarre reason yeah if you're american and you haven't heard the holy grail go listen to it. it's a really good song <laughs> but but so so overdone in australia for graduations and stuff god knows why because lyrics have nothing to do with it <laughs> yeah. but um um, this was before Good Riddance. Oh, no, it wasn't actually before Good Riddance. Really. <laughs> Just too soon for Good Riddance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I can remember in one of the rehearsals, the year-wide rehearsal, I, I had to play guitar for it, mm-hmm. Mr. Meekle and the music teacher. Music teachers loved me. That was fine. Was was kind of singing and leading, and, and I, I kind of led by singing and playing guitar, you know, for the people who didn't know and helping out whoever doesn't know the lyrics or whatever. And... <laughs> I was probably set up to fucking do this by the music teacher, but I was the dude to do the... And everyone ended up doing it. Everyone loved doing it. Like, but the... For the holy grail, yeah, 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 da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. That part, yeah. I would do that as everyone was singing underneath. It sounded really good and whatever. And I did that in one of the rehearsals, year-wide rehearsal, and a guy stood and said, you're a fucking faggot. <gasps> and no one said a fucking word, because I was. That was me. That wow. was me to my year level. So maybe I was having a really bad day when I saw you that time. <laughs> God knows. But that was me in my year level. I was a fucking... I was the faggot. I was wow. the faggot of the year level. I'm flabbergasted by that. It, it wouldn't. It didn't look like that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I got along with girls, and maybe that's why the dudes... And, and this isn't even, you know, not in a sexual way, you know, because I genuinely could relate to the girls a lot easier. I'm making myself sound gay. I'm, just for the record, I'm, I'm not actually gay. Sorry, you mentioned before you had a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I got along with the girls because I could really talk to them and, you know, we all got along really well. But there was, you know, there's always that kind of the, the gangster chicks in the year level or whatever who, would, you know, were uh, traditionally friends with the kind of gangster, you know, wannabe hardcore dudes. And they all even really, we all got along really well and stuff. Mm. So I think the gangster dudes in the eleven, everyone, it was just pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had my nose broken by a guy, and I think that it was purely because girls would often turn to me even when they were hanging out with him. Yeah. Like I would walk past and I would get their attention. Yeah. Just by walking past. And even if it's just their attention, just <clears throat> to talk or whatever. And, like... they, and he used to hate it and hate me, and yeah, and just, we wouldn't have said a word to each other for years. Mm. But then. Just one day he wanted to beat me up because I think think one too many times I walked past. Shit. You're like, at the time, I really was trying to bang on with that chick. (laughs) No, but that's that's really surprising to me. Like, to me, you were were cool. Sure. And and it wasn't like I didn't think I was cool myself. Like, I I totally thought, you know, I I was fine with myself. It wasn't like I had a hard time because Mm. of it. But, um... I do remember one other time you came into... We're talking a lot about school on this music podcast. But um, you came into... You graduated, you came into my music class. And right. you... Uh, the tall poppies, in fact, the whole band came yeah. into my music class. And and it was just the fuck. It was exactly the Daniel Pafik I knew. Just that fucking wanker walked back in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, and But the whole band. I, uh, I, we won't get into it, but... The Tall Poppies and my band at the time, Mighty Boy, we always had a we always had a weird thing. Yeah, there was there was always some weird animosity. That's that is how it fucking came up. It would have been Jared or someone saying it from that. Yeah, he would have been going because of that. And when we recently did that gig together, that's how it would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. recently did a gig together to highlight the fact that we used to hate each other. Now we love each other. Et yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you walked in, and and I I guess I you know 
I gave you the because you played that you played that day at the school. At you the did assembly. Like, you came back and did a show for our year level or whatever. Um, With the band or the, no, the three of you acoustically in the theater. Oh, really? On yeah. the what? The final day of school? No, no, no. Oh, just just some, any day. Okay, yeah, you yeah, Just yeah, came yeah, and yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I went and watched you, and I, I was because I was kind of a fan of the Top Poppies, but not a fan of you and Macca. Like, okay, I was always liked the That's music weird, and always yeah. hung out. It was weird because I because I could sing you every song. You know, really, I could bag some of them, but that, I, that blows my mind. And like, because you know, I, you know that I know Down by the Creek, like. You yeah, know, as well Down as Macca does. I you never know. considered that really. I mean, it was on the EP. That's I could still put it this way with Down by the Creek. I think I'll one day do that again. Still yeah. with Waverly. Yeah. I don't necessarily consider that a tall poppy song. That mm-hmm. really wasn't what we all were about. Yeah. But yeah. Anywho. Continue. And you, you. So I went and watched you play, and I was like, you know, I'm I'm trying to just by being in attendance maybe show that you know we don't have to hate each other, do we? And then you walked into my music class like the next period and just the three most arrogant guys that I think I've ever known walked in and they're like, what are you guys doing? Rhythm dictation? Oh, we'll, we'll beat the whole class at this. We'll beat the whole class. <laughs> and and when you three totally bombed and failed <laughs> and because we had uh, Richard O'Shaughnessy um, like looked at yours and were like, boys, that is horrible. We were just like, Eat it, you <laughs> tall poppies! Get the hell out of our music class! <laughs> wow, that's holy uh, cause shit! Because I, I remember, I remember all. I can all. I reckon I can remember every conversation or every instance we were in each other's company throughout those years. Because I, it was, that was such big moments to me. Like I was always like, this could go either way. Like I could become his friend right now, or it's just going to be another moment where wow. I go. Fucking hell! I hate these guys. Shit! <laughs> oh man, that's just, it's just because seems... it's it's so stupid that in high school, like we had to be, there had to be only one of us, you know, like oh absolutely. That's and the whereas whole now it's, of now it's school, like yeah. we're in this together, and but then it was like no 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 you can't do this if I'm doing it. Yeah, like, yeah. I have to be the better one. Yeah, just let it be known that we're the better ones. You know, I definitely feel like some bands are still like that though. Like, oh yeah. If you know, we, we've just recently booked our single launch uh, for our first single, and just even booking bands is really tough. I mean, we made some pretty retarded calls as far as I mean, not uh, I would have absolutely done them again, but really tried to get some lucky bands. Like if we can get fucking, you know, boy in a box to support us or something yeah, retarded yeah. like that. You know, where they've got two big singles that have been on Triple J. Yeah, I mean that would just absolutely guarantee the night went mm. fucking exactly our way, kind of thing. And obviously stuff like that doesn't happen. But even bands that are quite a bit smaller, it's amazing how a band that, even, that gets, seems to get the slightest amount of, of recognition from, from whatever, even if they're not on radio, but they might have had, you know, I don't know, a, some kind of good review from a gig or something like that, and they, they kind of feel like they're making their way up. They can be so... I'm not sure if this happens with artists necessarily, like mm. yourself more, but you know, or it's more of a band thing, but... You're all of a sudden they're so protective of their image and yeah. of, oh no we won't play with you God no even though it's going to be you know a, a sold out crowd at a great venue with a great band that's trying to do exactly what we're doing yeah. because we happen to be one tiny baby step ahead of you yeah. oh gosh we're not going to touch you because yeah. we won't associate with anyone mm. that's even if they're better than us. If, if they haven't yet got as much recognition as us, it's really hard to get some people to, mm. you know, and, and I kind of feel like that's a little bit like high school, like 
Yeah. Like you, you have like you can't just be in it together, you know. Yeah. It definitely is still the same for there are still some artists that are, are like that. And uh, <clears throat> um there's a guy called Nicholas Roy and every time that um he he's awesome, like I love the guy. He's such mm. a nice dude and such a great musician. And um every time anyone ever says says, Oh, do you know of anyone else who could you know, I always mention him because I'm like I know he's A, a really nice guy, B, really talented, C, has not yet let anything get to his head. He is loved by Triple J. He does not like on high rotation or anything, but yeah. every single he, he releases, they'll play it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And his film clips like go through the roof on YouTube and, and he's just so popular and lovable. And I'm waiting for the day that he doesn't return my phone call or my <laughs> email or my tweet. I'm waiting. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to be surprised, but... But I am surprised every time he still writes back and he still yeah, goes, yeah, hey, cool. Bronny, you know, from three years ago when we played twice together and we were at sort of the same level and now he's skyrocketed. Shit. Well, he's not sky, you know, he's not massive, but I, <clears throat> people like him give you hope to be like, you know, it kind of lets you brush off those idiots that yeah, are just yeah, like, absolutely. oh, sorry, yeah. I'm, sorry, I got played on Home and Hose the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can't, no, I can't come to your gig now, though. And, and by saying this, and I'm, I'm not talking about Boy in a Box particularly because, I mean, they wrote back to us, well, their booking agent wrote back to us instantly, I'm sorry, but on that night they'll be playing with Birds of Tokyo on their massive world tour. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, clearly that was overshooting the mark a little bit. Um, Are you sure you don't want to play at Yaya's in front of 150 people? Are you sure you want to do that Birds of Tokyo show in a stadium? <laughs> So, I mean, that was obviously clearly... I'm not talking about bands like that. I'm talking about the ones that are pretty much what we are. Exactly, yeah. You know, but yeah, but have have got, you know, they're just a few more months into it than we are or something, you know. I could tell you a whole saga about a girl, but I'm going to save it till I have her Was on that the, the show. one that you blogged about? Yes. Amazing I, blog. I, I never actually... never read such an angry... Yeah, I was... never actually posted it. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. You definitely did. The one that was at the thing and then mispronounced your name and yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. I sent it to you, remember? Really? Remember, I sent it to a few people to say, "Is this too harsh?" To it's like a to say, should we put it committee, up? Committee, yeah. Of people and you that didn't I trusted. Put it up. No, I didn't. I swear, I went back and read it on your website. Really? I'm... Oh, I either did that or I reread it because I cleaned out none of yeah, exactly <laughs> and just changed all the names. No, I think I, I must have cleaned out my inbox maybe and reread it. Yeah. Because I remember seeing it being like, wow, that is mad. Yeah. And then And I've told people the story since and they're like, you should you should definitely call her out for that. Like Yeah, that's a cool I, I love that blog, man. I, I got no problem with that. I got yeah. no qualm with calling people out. I mean, but I want to have her on and bring it up. There you go. That's something I want to do. Is this maybe this podcast for you is like counselling? <laughs> yeah, this is your way of going. Every person that's ever wronged you in your life, you're like, we get that motherfucker on here. You're like, I, I've said that I'm going to get Paul McManus is never going to come now. He's going to be <laughs> shitting his pants, wondering what the hell he's done. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Like when I first conceived the the podcast, just the idea of it. She was one of the first ones I wanted to get on. One of the first, I won't get her on for a long time, but one of the first I thought of, because I'm just like, mm. it would be so cool to air that dirty yeah. laundry right there. That would be fantastic. Well, I'm feeling like, I mean, we're definitely, um, you know, building some bridges. or, or because oh, I, I mean, never, I built that and, bridge a long time ago. And not the, yeah, but whether or whether or not you didn't, I, it, 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 
it concerns me that that was a build the bridge you had to build yeah when i wasn't even aware yeah. that it was there oh, that, you know that what i mean that surprises me that you weren't that's aware. that's what i'm that that's what worries me and i mean that shit just worries me constantly throughout my whole life i'm like someone will tell me something i'll be like how did that happen <laughs> i had no idea like and i think and that really and and that was another you know uh, that was another aspect of being in the top obviously like yeah. there's so many times where jared would have to pull me up and be like man you know, you realize what you've done to that girl or whatever, or, 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 you know, is all you care about fucking rooting chicks or whatever, not rooting chicks. Cause I, <laughs> I actually haven't rooted many girls in my whole life just so you know, but you know, is that all you care about kind of thing? And, and I'd just be flabbergasted like, you know, what does, there was a problem there yeah. or I don't know. I'm not so daft. Like I used to be very daft like that and, yep. and very forgetful and daft, but I'm, I'm certainly a lot better than that now, but and think twice before mm. doing a lot of things, but yeah. Well, even when I set up the thing with you and Matt, like even though I have b- built that bridge a long time ago and been friends with you for quite some time now, I even when I set that up, I was like, who would have thought? <laughs> like, who would have thought I'd set this up for them, you know? Yeah. Like, when I, f- when, because it was Macca that emailed me about it, and then I was like, yeah, totally. Like, I didn't think twice about it whatsoever. Like, I didn't think, oh, should I not let them because of that dynamic? <laughs> like, I definitely was just like, yeah, totally, let's hook that up. But then after it had happened, after we had that meeting in the city and stuff, yeah. I just went like, who would have thought? Like, I would never have guessed this. Yeah, well, definitely once once it all started coming together and that, it was like, wow, I, I wouldn't have ever thought that we'd have had such a, you know, from being just friends of friends and being around all the time <laughs> yeah. to, you know, having such a kind of, you know, well, uh, you know, something, something big has happened because of that relationship yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Um, I want to talk about the area between this is something i've always wondered but also i thought it would be good show material mm. um the area between top poppies and waverly there was a massive chunk massive. there where you were doing like i know you had a myspace for daniel what you just called daniel papik camden town camden town that's right was the name of that that's yeah. right and i knew that was there and i'd always check up on it because i was always interested yeah but it wasn't you, you didn't seem to be doing anything and you had a couple of songs there and then and I just want you to go off on whatever tangent you need to go on after I say this next thing. But I saw you at Ruby's. Ruby's is a venue down here. Mm. Um, I saw you at Ruby's one time, and you just and you hadn't done anything for ages, like fucking ages. I wouldn't even be able to tell you the the name of your last song at that point. You yeah, know? yeah. And I just said, you know, what's happening with you? And we hadn't seen each other in a while. And you said, oh, I'm getting back into it. I'm getting back into music right now. And you introduced me to some girl who was your manager at the time. Who was gonna. Yeah. And you said, I'm going to give it one good year yep. and then I'm out forever. I was such a fucking idiot. Uh, that was the worst. That was when I was a real fucking dumbass. Because at least when I was a dumbass in high school and in the tall poppies, at least I was doing something. But there was that really, that was a really stupid stage. And if, if nothing ever happens, that'll be the reason why. Oh, and actually, that won't be the reason why. But there was a really dumb couple of years there where I was just. Well, it wasn't necessarily because I needed to do it, I guess, but there was a lot of other shit I just got caught up in doing, so many other things, and maybe just being lazy as well, where when I quit the Top Hobbies, I quit, and I I had already thought of Camden Town, which was the next thing that I did by the time I'd quit the Top Hobbies. I mean, quitting the Top Hobbies, there was just such a huge I mean that's just that's a whole nother. Mm. Jared can give me that blog and we can, he, yeah, so he can do that 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 interview with me and fuck we can go on forever about that. But mm-hmm. um, 
I already kind of knew what I wanted to do as far as the whole Camden Town thing went at that point, and that would have been like what two thousand two, three, something like yeah. that. Actually, no, three, four. Sorry, yeah, three, four. Three, four. And I left the Tall Poppies. Maka also left the Tall Poppies, and we started Camden Town together. Mm-hmm. Not sure if everyone knew that, but um, yeah, Maka and I started it together, and we had this big kind of Matchbox Twenty. This is where, and this is. Oh fuck! I, this this will actually this this is oh, such a good question. Such a good question, man. This is where it's going to get deep. Macca and I had this idea that it was like that music was going to be like Matchbox Twenty, like it was going to be some kind of thing where if we had a couple pianos and we kind of yeah really get creative with a few pianos and real that commercial rock kind of sound, that's going to be what does it. And yes, yeah, so much of this is why I'm the way I am today, actually. Um, so we started Camden Town. Nothing really happened, but a big part of why nothing really happened was also because then I started drumming for Cooper Street Exit, who mm-hmm. were called Jacksonville Streetlights at the time. Oh, wow. And drumming know. was always my first big love. I'm actually a better drummer than I am a singer or guitarist or songwriter. <laughs> I'm a better drummer than I am any of that. Really? If you put me on a drum kit like that's where I'm that is actually funnily enough where I'm really at home yeah and I'd, I'd much not that I'd prefer to drum in a band but if, if I needed let's say I needed to be a musician to make my living mm-hmm. you know and I and I and I didn't want to necessarily be creative mm-hmm. I, I could almost drum on anyone's tour you know yeah, I could, yeah, I just yeah. pick up and, and do the, that's that's what I try yeah, and okay. do the most yeah um and that's what I enjoy a lot is and, and, and find easy to understand so I started drumming with them and that was kind of going kind of cool. So because that was kind of working and, and Macca was really digging what we were doing, it was very, very Western country kind of stuff at the time, you know, kind of bluegrassy stuff, kind of, not really with a very rock uh, edge. Mm-hmm. Um, Macca was really digging that, so then started doing that a lot more. Then some other weird shit happened, and after one gig, basically, they came to me the next day and said, I'm out of the band because they know that I want to do my own stuff too much, which was absolute rubbish, and... Um, it was it was because of another event completely that, that I was kicked you, out of the you band. Don't get into that? I, yeah, no, there was a big falling out with one of the members, <clears throat> okay. who basically his girlfriend, who's I uh, better not get into that actually yeah. because yeah, yeah that's all right. it's kind of at the time <laughs> yeah it was really fucked up and this is you know a long time ago still yeah um, so effectively I was kicked out of the band at that point and mm. then kind of died in the ass. I really got into dance music at that point and was just, but not even so much making it, like I made a lot of it, but I also would just go out clubbing and dancing a lot back then. I used to wow. really love dancing. <laughs> and so I'd go out to just loads of clubs because, you know, by that stage, I was like, you know, very early 20s and I was just dancing and hanging out with people that listened to dance music a lot and just doing a lot of that kind of thing. And I really dug that at the time and did that a lot. All of the time, still knowing that, you know, there was the whole guitar thing and there's the whole songwriting thing and still recording because I recorded a lot. Yeah. You know, that was always one of my big loves was recording. And and I was, st- I was still recording songs and, and then I kind of wanted to... Yeah, I think probably by the time you saw me, I was kind of like, yeah, no, nah, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And, and thought back then that it was literally as simple as that. I think I even told myself it was like January and I was like... I'm gonna play Falls next year, and if 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 I do, if I can't play Falls in 12 months' time, Falls Festival, which is one of the biggest festivals in Australia, if I can't play that by next year in any in any medium, however I do it, whether it's behind a fucking turntable or if it's as a singer songwriter or with a rock band, then that's it. 
And I don't know why I thought it needed to be so finite like that, like like there was something else to do. Yeah. But that was kind of my decision at the time for some crazy reason. And I also had a girlfriend at the time who used to always try and encourage me to, to, to man, play more music, keep doing stuff. And and I was always like, you know, why? Or, or I guess I kind of... For me, music, I guess, always in, in one sense, it's kind of screwed up. Had I have somehow had the stars aligned and had I've got big had the tall poppies had taken off I never there never would have been a gap because music was always there and and just like now just back then it's almost like it came so easy that there was no reason to do it mm-hmm. if I sat there and, and, and in a studio and wanted to make a song I'll make 10 songs I'll do them right now on any instrument you want like that's it was never a challenge it was anything, never anything hard about it so it seemed like why do it because what was new to me at the time was dancing and 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 fucking and just doing different things and you know and yeah. and cars. I really got into cars for some <laughs> fucked up reason. I built a 1979 Cortina from in the ground gap. up in that gap. That was one of the things I did, which I'm so pissed that I sold it now because it was a really cool car, big fucking loud, you know, massive yeah. engine in this tiny little you know old school car it was really cool and i was so into all that stuff yeah and because that was hard it was hey build a car that's fucking hard how mm. the hell do i do that so yeah i spent three months in a factory building a car all by myself and and then but i was kind of like but no i've got to do this music thing because if i don't do it now holy shit i'm never going to be famous and surely i was meant to be famous right yeah, like yeah. just like all of us we we're all meant to be famous because yeah you know when we sat there playing the guitar for the first time we just knew that we were better than everyone else <laughs> So yep. I guess I kind of somewhat would have got back into it. And that's when you would have seen me when I would have been like, I would have been right in the middle of that. Cause that's when I took on Camille who managed um, Jacksonville streetlights and who turned oh, okay. into Cooper Street. She was their manager. who was just a friend of Tim and Macca's from work. But um, you know, we, we kind of made a bit of a thing for it, you know, together to kind of, you know, make it happen. Yeah. But it was always very, it was very focused around me because no one really wanted to play it. I didn't have musicians to play with The Macca was gone. So I ended up just kind of hiring hired guns for the few gigs that we did, and so I guess so you did do gigs with that. Well, yeah, there was a few. Yeah, there was I, I think they were practically probably all at Ruby's, but there was a, there was a few different gigs that we did. Yeah. Um, but nothing really, yeah, happened, and I guess it didn't happen quick enough that in my mind how it should have happened didn't happen. I, it was like I expected that. Oh, so I'll just quickly play these songs, and then surely I'll just get picked up by some major label who will then turn me into what I know I can be or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, surely I don't have to do any actual work myself, right? <laughs> and I guess that's what, and you would have seen me in that stage. And then from there, I probably got pretty bummed out, I reckon. I reckon after that, it wasn't so much about doing other things that were easier or, or more, sorry, that were harder or more exciting. Then I was probably bummed. Okay. And for the next, over that next thing, I started delving into the, godforsaken world of doing covers yeah um just me on an acoustic guitar with a pa oh wow doing covers in saint kilda and on the beach and in venues and really? wherever yeah man those things pace so fucking well yeah. it's retarded the... and, but even then i was so dumb that i could have made a living or, or I, I mean i still work a full-time job but on on the amount that i was getting paid for those gigs on thursday and tuesday nights and shit i get paid like 250 bucks to sit there for three hours playing Green Day songs and, yeah. you know, and fucking yeah. Cat Stevens or whatever. You know, it's so easy. Yeah. I, I could have done that now as my primary income while doing everything else. But, I mean, that, that's a slippery slope. You don't want to get into the world of covers purely for the fact that you'll just never get out of it because it's too fucking easy. Yeah. You just make so much goddamn money. Mm. 
that it makes you wonder why you'd play an original band if mm. if you know if if you weren't dedicated yeah. to it kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I would have been pretty down, and I did those, and you know, and the, the girl that I was with at the time was still nah, get back into it, get back into it, and then, um, she left me, which killed me. That and that's where my life probably hit its fucking twenty six year bottom. Was then that was just a fucking that was a wow. Mm. That was fucked up. I mean, I nearly killed myself. I don't and like that was fucked really? up, man. You can edit that out. I that was fucked up. Yeah. Um, she was everything to me. And then you want me to edit that out, or you? Oh, probably, probably that because I don't say I want to kill myself. But yep. Fuck. Um, it was like all of a sudden the onus of everything in the world was back on me again yeah there was no one to fall back on then yeah and it was like i kind of always figured that as long as i had her i was all good that she was like my big not my comfort but she was always my like my light at the time and as long as i had her nothing else mattered like i didn't need to be famous anymore you know, there was a life we'd kind of planned and that was all going to be good. And, and that's probably why I would have said, I'll give this another year. If not, I'll do the white picket fence fucking load of bullshit. And this also, and this is, you know, I knew this would start getting deep. This is where it starts getting deep. And this is why I have such a deep hatred of the white picket fence mm-hmm. because I would have fucking done it, man. I would have yeah. done it for her. I would have ended my life at that point. Or how, and she probably wouldn't ever have seen that as me ending my life or... or wouldn't see that now that that would be necessarily me ending my life, but it would have been that that would have been it. It would have been me working a nine to to five till I was fucking in the grave for nothing. I mean, sure, it would have been amazing. We would have probably had kids or whatever. Like it would have been a a great family situation and and so many people do it. And if it makes them happy, fantastic. But getting out of that took, oh man, and years like years that's that's what i fucking did for the next few years i cried every fucking day for years i don't know what fucked me up so bad about that Mm. but that literally consumed my life for the next few years um and then i mean i still did music and i kind of wrote a whole bunch of songs when it happened and throughout that period but that fucked me man and then i just ended up kind of going down the wrong path a bit i did move out of home which was good and I know we knew we wanted to get closer to the city because we knew that something was happening in the city. Like there's something different about that. Yeah. But I was still too scared, and and because I'd lost my safety zone in my life, it was um. There was just nowhere to you know. Uh, we just moved kind of out to a to a suburb closer to the city, but you know not really closer to the city. We we thought it was kind of cool, and then I basically wasted the next few life years of my life playing computer. Like literally just playing computer games really? for years. I mean, <clears throat> is that kind of where it started? Just playing computer then? Had you always been playing? Games? Always, always. Yeah, loved computers, and I still, still do. Absolutely love computer <laughs> games. A massive gamer and that. But yeah. But I mean, that was like where it was pretty seriously. Like that was where I felt safe, and that was where yeah. it was cool. And that was, it was like back then I needed to feel safe, and 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 and, and for some reason I needed that buffer that she kind of produced me that light in my life, or whatever. And that was. You know, something else that was hard to do, you know, hard to do was, you know, getting into like online computer games and that where, you know, it's, there's so many challenges that they, you know, they present to you kind of thing. And it's another challenging aspect of your life where you feel like you can achieve, even though you're achieving nothing, you're achieving pixels on a screen. Yeah. You still feel like you're doing something and it's something yeah. different kind of thing. And it meant that I didn't have to think about her. And then 
from there, I guess we, Maka, it was actually Maka who was living with us. We were living in Mulgrave. It was me, my brother, Darius, and Maka. And Darius and I had kind of started the band at some stage. You know, I was still pretty heavily just playing computer and stuff and, you know, just working a full-time job, just drudgery, man. But yeah. Darius kind of one day, and I'd always loved Darius' songs all my life. I fucking, he was really good, but... One day he said, you know, let's fucking, let's do it, man. Let's let's do a band. Like, let's just do this sh- again. And, mm. and I couldn't have really been lower at that point. And it, it was kind of at that point that it was like, I mean, I was, if you saw me, I still would have seemed somewhat happy as long as it wasn't within the two years of her dumping me because every day of that was just me crying. <laughs> but as, as long as it was after that two years, had you seen me, you'd have said I was a happy person. And I am it because... No matter what, you could put me in a fucking, and absolutely no disrespect, you know, to, obviously I don't mean this, but you, you could put me in a concentration camp. I'll find the good in it. I, I'll always, I'm always happy. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, and to, well, to me, a concentration camp is a fucking nine to five, man. That's yeah. just, that's the pits. Yeah. And, but I'll still do it and I'll still be happy. I'm not that hard to please. You know mm. what I mean? Like anything can make me happy and I'll always find the humor and stuff. I'm still a humorous person because I define my life by humor and, Shit, without that, you know, why are we here kind of thing? Like, humor makes I think that's good. also a part of us always being, whether we like it or not, we're always slightly performing because we are performers. Like, I hate showing that I'm upset to anyone. Yeah, definitely. I'll only ever be upset in my own head and then yeah. I'll go out and put on a good front for six hours and then get home and be exhausted because I acted the whole time, you know? Yeah. I mean, at that stage, though, there was no <laughs> acting. It was I was... I mean, that was like <laughs> every day at work. I'd be at work, sitting at my desk, burst into tears. Wow. Just burst into tears. I'd see an old couple holding hand, burst into tears. Right in front of all my co-workers, in front of my boss. Yep. The guy that I'm still working for now. It was like every day. Well, Daniel's just crying at his desk again. Like, wow. how emo is that? It was insane. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, so Darius had kind of, you know, suggested the idea of, you know, let's let's kind of do something. And it was like... Well, I was kind of like, you know, man, I've got to know that you're serious, you know, and I've got to know that, you know, you, you're into this because, man, yeah. I'm fucking, you know, I you know, I was definitely chomping at the bid or whatever the word is to, to get back into it and to really, you know, and because by then it wasn't about necessarily being some, you know, oh, I've got to play by Falls Festival next year or mm. surely I'll get a major record deal straight away or whatever. It's nothing, nothing to do with that just because I fucking love Darius' songs. I always, all my life, he writes songs from a different place because he's been to different places uh, genuinely, he's been to different places than any of us. He's had serious issues, like mental issues, that put can put have put him in places where some of the shit that he writes is just—it's like the, the chord structures and, and the the phrasing. It just comes from a place, and I'm like, How the "Fuck, where'd you come?" Like that doesn't sound like any other band or anything that I can. I can't put my finger on anything with that, mm. you know. Yeah. So I was always wanting to, you know. I always thought, "Fuck that." If I was ever to do anything, you know, he'd be the dude. Yeah. And he came to me with the idea, and then we basically spent. Well, it weeks. sounds like you needed each other at that point. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and that just Fuck makes, yeah. that I mean, makes maybe the, whole, the whole concept of Waverly even more powerful than I ever would have given it credit for. You know. Yeah, I suppose that's probably definitely right on the money because without, I'm always good at organising stuff. Like I'm, I'm good, and that's why I always tend to be, you know, the guy that 
the, the, the Photoshop guy and the thing because I can take a lot of information and organize and put it into bits which he can't necessarily do. So I kind of do that side of the songs mm. for him and he'd kind of do the other side. And, and not just songs, for life, you know, like he'd provide the emotional support and I'd kind of make sure everything was working in time kind of thing. Yeah. So we started playing with absolutely no idea and that really went for a long time. We had another drummer and bassist that joined with us that right after me and Darius recorded the EP and we played with another drummer and bassist for a while but it just wasn't the same. Like one of them, he one of those guys was going through something with his girlfriend that was very similar to what I'd gone through with with my previous girlfriend of the time <laughs> does that even make sense um and the guy that yeah this, so this guy yeah, the drummer of our band yeah kind of had a bit of a white picket fence thing going with his girlfriend yeah which which at this point is making me start to hate the white picket fence and making me realize that this could have been me yeah because we had everything going for us in waverly like it was all cool and we were really doing something these songs were fantastic and we were really you know, me and Dara is a fucking go, go, go. Yeah. And then this guy's girlfriend is turning up to gigs at the start going, great, you know, you, my boyfriend's in a band. This is really cool. And then it was like, my boyfriend's in a band. Oh, I hope he doesn't have to go to rehearsal every night of the week or, you know, every second night of the week, whatever we were doing at the time. You know, we were probably rehearsing quite a bit. And, oh, gee, can you really make that gig? We've got our friend's 21st and it's like oh, yeah. you're fucking giving up a gig for a 21st that's, there's going to be a million more they're all the same you know <laughs> that's, some, but that's what she's saying about gigs <laughs> yeah well exactly and that's what she's you know exactly she'd have the exact same and then he ended up caving man like yeah. a, he just caved to her and he, he'll deny that forever I mean he's an awesome guy I love the guy I fucking love him I still see him now but, yeah. but he caved to that man he completely caved to that and he stayed out in the suburbs and at that time we me Macca Macca was the inspiration for us moving to the city, which was the fucking biggest change of all. Mm -hmm. And I cannot... It's funny that we're actually sitting out in the suburbs saying this, because <laughs> yeah. this is just one thing that I, I just cannot stress how different this changes your outlook on life. Yeah. I couldn't see it at the time, because like I say, I, I'm pretty easy to get comfortable with shit, and I can, you know, I can kind of be happy doing whatever. Yeah. But I was doing something one day at home, and I came to the kitchen and Maka was basically sitting on, on on the dining room table in our house in the suburbs, just bawling his eyes out and was like, we've got to get the fuck out of here. We're wasting our lives out here. Nothing mm -hmm. is happening. And that kind of scared me. I was like, holy shit. I mean, that's, you know, how the fuck are we going to, what the fuck are we going to do? How are we going to do it? You know, how's it all going to happen? Mm -hmm. But yeah, just like the ideas that, you know, you put in our head for Amy Remember or Matt put in our head for any other song. Once the idea, once someone plants that seed, you know, it just seemed like, well, obviously we have to move to the city. We've got to do this no matter how it gets done. It's, it's got to get done. Yeah. And over the next couple of months, we, you know, put all our eggs into getting into the city, no matter how much we fucking had to, no matter how shit the house was, no matter what it was going to be, we had to be within 10 minutes of the city. Like we had to be able to get a taxi ride to the tote for under $10. Yeah. The tote is a venue in Melbourne. <laughs> yep. Um, You're very professional at this. No one else. Yeah. I usually have to do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that was like we, we we had to be able to get into the city. We had to be able to do gigs. We had to be able to do it. And that further, further just showed the rift in the band. I mean, the, the two mm. other guys in the band, at, at that point, it was just ridiculous that they were even in the band. Yeah. Um, Macca ended up taking over the bass, which just 
was just the, the, the nail in the coffin for the drummer who, you know, because the drummer was brothers with the bassist. Yeah, okay. Who we kicked out. Yeah. And then he kind of quit along with his girlfriend who was just constantly in his ear 24 hours a day. It was yep. fucking retarded. Yeah. And then we found Lee. And and by by this point, by this point, I mean, that's 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 a short story as far as, you know, mm. a, a life and years going. I've really kind of compressed the last yeah. few years of that. Um. But that that's where I mean that's where the story begins, man. That's where it all changed. Mm-hmm. Is is when we lived there. All of a sudden, you you'd walk five meters down the street, or you know, a hundred meters down the street to the closest bar, and there'd be just a dude there that you're like, "Holy shit, it's whatever from the drones, mm. or it's whoever from UMI, or yeah." So someone's just sitting there that you're like, "Wow, so this is where those people hang out." No wonder I didn't see them at Springvale Pub. <laughs> Yeah. You know, or 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 or, or fucking daisies in Ringwood. No yeah. wonder they weren't fucking there. You know, yeah. this is where these dudes live. This is where this shit happens. And all of a sudden, your whole outlook on life, just from being there, changes. And the songs you start writing are getting deeper. And the and the life you're living is just richer. And mm. everything about what you're doing seems to start making sense. And then mm. you hook that up with someone like you know, like you make that. Then you then you kind of get the guys in your band that are the right people for your band i.e. Lee and, and Tosh on bass. And all of a sudden it's like, fuck, man, shit's happening. And, and then you yeah. start talking to guys like Matt and you just feel like it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of working. So now, unfortunately, it's like I'm starting my fucking life at 26 years old. But, there's nothing, you know? and, but the, see, the thing is with that, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about realising you weren't ready in that, like, you had to, you obviously had to, ha- all that stuff had to happen. Otherwise, yeah. the guy joining Waverly never would have, been in it for the music he would have still been going if we're not playing at yeah. falls this year then yeah, we're absolutely stopping. and there's so many bands that <laughs> man darius and i because of that experience are so um you show me any band i'll talk to them for 30 seconds and i'll be able to tell you which suburb they live in almost yeah you can instantly tell and the guys the guys that we're playing with we do certain gigs with certain bands and you just instantly know they were me 10 years ago being like, oh, I'm in Matchbox 20, man. This is going to be great. Yeah. And, and you're thinking, this is such a joke. You've got no idea. You will have no idea why Triple J never plays you. Mm. You will have no idea why no one's ever going to take that album you put out seriously yeah. and no one's ever going to give it the credit it very well fucking deserves. Yeah. It's not to say good songwriters don't live in the fucking suburbs. There's amazing songwriters live in the suburbs. Yeah. But... It's just so much harder to get taken seriously when after every fucking gig, it's like, okay, guys, back in the fucking truck and out to fucking an hour back to home and no one's... And, and you miss those opportunities. Like, so often if we do a gig, we the people just come back to our house and we just yeah. fucking smoke a joint and talk and, and hang out with yeah. the, the guys in the band and you develop relationships with these people and, and they take you seriously because mm. yeah. it feels like you're living it. Yeah, kind and I can I completely recognise that and and uh, and relate to that in that if I didn't work out here, I definitely mm. wouldn't live out here. Um, but that's been a conscious effort for me in the last, I guess maybe in the last two year and a half probably. I've taken it. I've been like full guns blazing, taking it seriously. Mm. In that I kind of made a choice. I could have moved to the city and driven out every morning for work. Yeah, but I kind of decided I love going to the city for music so i go yeah i go you know i try to go once or twice a week definitely to open mics or to see people play because i feel like then i'm still kind of 
I'm, you know, I'm walking in both worlds. Yeah. Yet I'm not dealing with traffic on the way to work in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, I'll I l- tell you this much though. I, I, I work five days a week in Blackburn. Really? And I live in Northcote. So that's the whole Eastern Freeway every single day. Yeah. But going to the suburbs from the city every day and back is a completely free run. You can do it in 20 minutes. Yeah, really? I get to work in 20 minutes from Northcote to Blackburn. Oh, interesting. But, um, that's because there is literally no traffic because everyone's doing the opposite there. Yeah. They're going from the suburbs the city. to the yeah. city jobs. And I'm literally driving down the freeway in the morning. and Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 20 minutes or less. And the whole other side from the start to the finish of the freeway is gridlocked. Yeah. And I'm just driving straight Cause past I, everyone. Because I definitely noticed that the more... Because I spent a lot more time in Northcote this year in terms of open mics and stuff. And, yeah, and just, Wesley Ann, where you were just, yeah, just the other day. Yeah. yeah, and just being in those little artist communities, songwriters, hanging out with songwriters and, and going out for dinner after gigs and stuff. And I've made sure that I've made myself available for that because I totally yeah, yeah, agree absolutely. with you in that, that it just makes everybody think he's the real deal, like he means what he's doing. Yeah, and and, and, and I do want to stress though that it's not to say at all that you can't be fucking amazing and live out in the suburbs. I'm not, it's not yeah. some kind of like prejudice against people yeah, in the suburbs, yeah. but it's just that within, you know, it's just a simple fact that within five minutes of talking to someone, within one minute of talking to someone, mm. you instantly, you can see exactly where they live and yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, it's just so... It's just so blatantly obvious kind of mm. thing. So it's just another interesting thing that, you know, if you if you want to talk about what really, you know, inspires us, you know, that's just such a big part of it. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm really glad that, um, that I, I mean, I, I remember when Waverly, when I first heard about Waverly, I guess you and I had lost touch almost completely by that stage. Yeah. And, and, and probably by the time that the band started, that was, you know, like I said, that was just after, I mean, that was like, two or so years or whatever after my thing and I'm still writing songs like Bitter You Bet listen Mm. to that man that's got to be the most fucking bitter piece of shit song yeah and I'm going to have a totally different perspective on it now and that is me literally still that bitter two years after the fact that shaped me in just the most insane way that fucked my head up so bad that two years later it's as fresh as it was on the day it happened and I'm still writing songs like Bitter You Bet you know what I mean Mm, yeah Absolutely. Just crazy, that, that, man. Just I mean, crazy. That's the curse of being a, an artist is that it just sticks with you. Like yeah. shit like that. Stuff that messes with your heart totally. You can for, you can forever yeah. go back. Like um, I wanted to write a, the other, a little while ago. I was just like, oh, I haven't written a sad. I want to write a sad love song. I just want to do it. Mm. I just felt like writing one. And I was like, oh, but I'm not, I'm not sad about anything. But it's so easy to just go... But I have been and just delve back and just go, I know exactly how I felt and I can tap right into that. And that's just, I mean, we're musicians and I think in our DNA is the ability to hold on to everything that's hurt us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, and just, and remember, and to be able to articulate those exact mm. moments. And that's, yeah, you know, it was like, and it was like, you know, still being two years out of fact, and because... In some of the best lyrics in that song, I think, was the line, and it just it, with the particular way that the line moves as well, um, melodically, the the line, did your friends tell you how that I pined for you, and did you tell them all, and, and did your friends say how that I pined for you? Oh, why have I forgot the second part? Because the second part was a really good part. <laughs> but anywho. I can put it, I can, can chuck it on the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how the fuck's that going? Like, this did is the video he was talking about. Did your friends tell you about... That I pine for you. And di- the lyric of that song <laughs> that, that's so, yeah, that's so exemplified it and that I could even think of then was, did, you, did your friends tell you how that I pined for you 
and did you shut them all out because you couldn't believe what you'd done? And it was still that raw to me, like like I thought that the, that she'd even care that much all those years later, like yeah. like you couldn't believe what you'd done to me. Oh my god! Like you know, how could you how could you have ruined someone so badly? Kind of yeah, thing. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just how fucking bitter it was, you yeah. know, and and how you know I could instantly just delve straight back into that pool, man. That's mm-hmm. a fucking that's it. Wow. Yeah, and and so as I was saying, like um, when Waverly popped up. I guess I was surprised a little bit and excited to to hear it. But also I remember vividly thinking when you said to me um, that when you said what you said at Ruby's, I didn't even for a second go, oh, maybe he's going to do it. I just, I I remember just thinking, well, that'll be a shame. Oh, wow. Like that'll be a shame when he stops. Like when falls doesn't happen this year, which, you know. A, a clear, a clear thinking Daniel would have known that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I was just like, "That's going to be a shame if he if he does make that decision to go. That's it, forever." Yeah. And I guess by the time Waverly popped up, I, I probably wasn't even. You probably weren't even on my mind whatsoever. But when Waverly popped up, I, there was definitely a bit of a, oh, cool. You know, it's Daniel's yeah, it new band. It felt like a bit was, like that as well. It definitely felt like that. And I mean now. The, you know, the, the partner that I'm with, it just couldn't be more supportive. And that, you know, it's just another aspect to, you know, just how it, it all, you know, and she's in a fantastic photographer. She does our photography and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and with her, it's, it's like, you, you kind of, you just get it. There's no expectation of a, of, of a, yeah. of a fucking white picket fence. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm convinced you, you could convince almost any girl that, you know, that that's what you're going to do. Just like you can convince you know, most girls could convince any guy that that's what they're going to do with their life. Yeah. But she's just so cool about knowing that fuck knows if there's ever going to be any money in anything, you know mm. what I mean? And, yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's just, that makes me, man. That's just so cool. Yeah, that's you great, know? man. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's especially it. after, you know, what you've talked about, obviously. It's good mm. to hear that. Um, now, there's two more things I want to get into really quickly because we've sure. gone forever. Yeah, I don't know. But Do they normally go this long? Yeah. It's oh, like counselling. This, this, this is probably the longest one, but yeah. it's only the longest by maybe 13 minutes. <laughs> um, I, I did want to talk about Jared, your, your ex-bandmate. Sure, yeah. Um, because if you listen to episode one, which I, I know you haven't yet, but it, it's with him and, and he definitely um, he definitely gets into the, the idea that he was an arsehole. And so I wanted to t- I wanted to touch on that with you, but I might have to get that as you mentioned. I might have to get you both in for that sort of thing. I'd yeah. Like, either he- way, I mean, I I just hate to say something that that he would hear that think he had no right of reply to kind of thing, because he was it he was, was very, definitely complex. He was forthcoming with with. He called himself the c word. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get. Uh, that's not what I want to talk about now, because you know he kind of covered it. But um, I do want to ask you about. The time that you forgot your shower cap on tour. Oh. <laughs> they gave me so much shit for that. And that just that just goes to show that where my mind would have been at a place like that. Like Can you tell them the story? I, they don't, I'm not sure that it was a know. shower cap. Was it a shower cap? Jared thought it was a shower it cap. It must have been a shower cap. It was so, definitely some kind of hair <laughs> accessory or product that I forgot where we were staying. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would have... That would have really concerned me at the time that I couldn't have made my hair exactly how I wanted to. So, because he didn't actually tell it on on the show. So you I were... think I believe we we're. Oh fuck! I'm gonna see. I'm gonna forget this because of my bad memory. But yeah, I can recall being on a tour or something like that. Tall Bobby's used to tour around, you know, uh, the surrounding states, and 
I can remember being in a... No, because I can remember being in the bathroom and not having one. All I can remember is them making loads of fun of me because I cracked the shits because I didn't have one. Well, the way he told it to me today when I asked him if, if he had any dirt on you, um, <laughs> he said you were in the back of a... You were in the back of the car, you were driving to, to where whatever state you were going to or whatever. Yeah. And halfway down the road, <laughs> you just started, like, yelling obscenities about being so upset about something. And he was thinking... Oh, what he's forgotten his guitar or his amp oh, or something, oh, no. and you were like, "My shower cap, <laughs> really? Yeah." And you apparently, Holy and you were shit. like, "My hair's gonna be horrible at the gig." Well, there was definitely <laughs> because back there, I really cared about stuff like that, and I think that it would have been because one thing that I, I I always, on a personal level, have problem with is is like is when something could be a certain way, and 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 you kind of are hoping that it's going to be that way or whatever, and you probably have planned for it to be that way and something screws it up kind of thing. I mean, yeah, that's, I yeah. mean that's just human nature. That kind of thing annoys you. But that yeah. would have really annoyed me because I probably would have been like, oh, God, from the last time that I washed my hair was only two days ago, so it's not going to get be <laughs> greasy enough to try and kind of do the, the mop look, but, you know, it's not going to be clean enough with a shower cap if I avoid getting water in it to straighten it properly or do something like that, you know, like... <laughs> It just would have been something stupid like that. I'm sure we all. I'm sure we all think that sort of thing. But like, if that happened to me, I would have been in the back <laughs> yeah. seat, silent, going, "Damn it!" Like, goddamn shower cap. Because of course you got shit hung on you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it really would have like that would have been. I, I don't know. That, why would I have thought that that was something worth bringing up to everyone? I don't know. <laughs> but I guess. It, it <laughs> um, I just want to know if you have one piece of advice you would give anyone. Doing anything creative doesn't have to be music. It's uh... well, I mean, the number one. I mean, and we've pretty clearly covered this is move to the source, man. Move to the fucking move to where it's happening. If your scene mm-hmm. isn't within five minutes of you, fucking get there, man, and get there quick. Because until you're there, you'll think all kinds of things about how cool that would be. You know, if I could do it, it's me giving you advice, man. Ooh, if I could yeah, do hello. it, and and you'll think there's all kinds of fucking you know cool things that could come from that but you never know just how cool it is until you do it uh, yeah, that's my one piece of advice it's great and another one would be I asked for one masturbate <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why but... um, no nah, man thanks heaps for coming on the show um, I know I will definitely be listening with a totally different perspective after talking to you like this yeah and, um, Fuck, and yeah, I hope cool. people who are listening to you for the first time or for the 17th time like I hope that's the same for them Sure, yeah, that was fucking... Yeah, that was really cool to talk, man. Fuck. That was good. I cool, really man. enjoyed that, yeah. I'm glad. All right. Thank you. That's Daniel Papak, everybody. We chose our broken path. You know what's Barefoot on shattered glass. You know what's You know this never felt the way it should. That was my friend Daniel Papak. Papak. Papaki bags. And get off my podcast, please. Um, you can go to waverlyband.com. That's W-A-V-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't just go straight to the Y. Put an E in there, because the E is important. It gets you to their website. Waverlyband.com. I have to clarify something. 
I apologize to you, Daniel. I actually did post that blog. I noticed just then as I Google searched it on my blog, bronnybloggles.wordpress.com. I did actually post that blog that we mentioned there about that girl who annoyed me that one time. Feel free to go read that, everybody. Um, so that was it. That's uh, Daniel Pabek. And how cool is this song underneath? It's a cool song, right? Um, it was great to be involved in the uh, in the project as much as I was in the beginning. Fell off a little bit there towards the end, but it's good to see the uh, result is so super. I do miss Daniel's voice, though. Um, so I think you should go to fistoface.com.au slash question mark Waverly and uh, get their first EP so you can hear a bit of Daniel's voice because uh, I think it's pretty sweet and uh, that's it for this week this fortnight next week well pretty sure next week I'm talking to Kenny Eng from the US and uh, I'll be uh, I'll be around I'm playing on sorry I should promote myself playing on the 3rd of November at the top in town with Bushwaller and Kate Walker it's going to be a super show um, absolutely fun show. Bushfather is on my album, as as you'll be out of here. Track five, and then maybe we'll sing it together. Who knows? That'll be good. But uh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good show. Like to see you all there. Come out, say hi. Twitter me at Bronny Bronny. Facebook me slash Bronny Music. Go to my website, BronnyMusic.com. <sighs> Let me bother you some more. Peace and carrots. <laughs>